0: Go ahead and be seated. As you're seated, if you brought your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 15. Pull your notes out of your bulletin. If you didn't bring your Bible, we are prepared for you to be here. Everything I read from Scripture will be on the screen behind me, so hopefully it'll be super easy for you to follow along. While you're moving to John 15 in your Bible app or your Journey app or the Bible that you brought with you today, let me remind you that one of the ways we kick off a year every year at Journey is with a week of prayer by asking our church to give one of the first weeks of January to God, going to him in prayer for the entire 2023 year. We will do that January 23rd through 29th this month. Uh, We'll have prayer Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. in this auditorium. We'll have a little bit of worship, short devotional, and then we'll have a prayer journal that we hope to put in your hands next week that'll guide you through about 30 minutes of guided prayer time on your own. And then on Saturday, we'll meet from 9... Um, to 10 a.m., and we'll have breakfast for you afterwards. My hope is that you'll give one of the first weeks of 2023 to prayer so that God's blessing can rest on you for the final 11 months of 2023. So go ahead and put that in your calendar um, and be ready for it. Today in John 15, we start a five-week series just studying through John chapter 15, one of the greatest texts of the Bible, in a series called Thrive. The goal of this series is to learn how to walk with Jesus in 2023 in a way that allows us to spiritually thrive rather than in a way that allows us to spiritually survive. So many people get to the end of the year with a thought like this, I'm just glad I made it through another one. That is not the life that God designed for you to have or the spirit that God designed for you to carry that you're just glad to make it through every day. Jesus is gonna tell us this month that he has made us to thrive spiritually. Part of that is going to be learning to, how to pray and how to fast I'll teach through that in two weeks, and then we'll do it together. At the end of January, we'll announce our church-wide initiatives for prayer and fasting for the rest of 2023 in that uh, message in that week. Um, but today, we're going to learn how to do that and just learning how to spend daily time with God. In John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he lays out the first five verses of a chapter we'll spend a month in, and he says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Now, if you have your pen and you have your Bible open, I need you to go circle the first two words of John 15, because we've interrupted a conversation going on, and we need to understand the full context of this conversation if we're going to understand what Jesus is promising to do in John chapter 15. So the words, I am, are given for the 10th time in this conversation in John 15, 1. But this conversation begins in John 13, 1, just to set the context of this conversation that's happening and to set the bookends of our service today will begin as we start talking about in John 13 in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples. We'll end our services today by taking communion together as a church. So we'll kind of start in the upper room with Jesus. We'll be in the upper room with Jesus at the very end of the message. And in the middle, we'll discuss what Jesus and his disciples were discussing on that night. For those of you going to Israel with me in November, our last day of our trip, we will walk Uh, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. We'll start in the upper room in kind of a section in Old Jerusalem, and we literally will walk down through the Kidron Valley, end up in the Garden of Gethsemane before we hit the Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrows, the way of the cross, and trace the path of Jesus on the day he was crucified. It is a beautiful piece of scripture, Jesus caring for his disciples, but it's marked by these 10 I am statements that kind of, kind of frame what we are talking about today. It begins in John thirteen seven. Jesus said the three words, I am doing. He was describing for his disciples why he was washing their feet. But here's what he was saying to them. I am doing this so that you will know the way I'm going to lead you is by serving you. And ultimately, the way I'm going to serve you is by dying for you, not just washing your feet. And part of me dying for you means... That I'll be betrayed by one of you. He says in verse 13, 18, I'm not referring to all of you the second I am statement. He was just referring to Judas who would betray him and then leave him. But he said the other 11 of you are going to be impacted by this because he said in verse 36, I am going to go. I'm going to go away, and for the first time in three years, we're not going to have three meals a day. For the first time in three years, we're not going to go to bed in the same place and wake up in the same place. For the first time in three years, we're going to be separated because I'm going away. One of his disciples said, where are you going? And Jesus said in John 14, 2, I'm going there. I'm going to the heavenly kingdom. I'm finishing my mission by getting the heavenly kingdom ready for you. And one of his disciples said, how do we know how to get there? And Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am going to the heavenly kingdom to finish my mission. So one day you can live in the heavenly kingdom as well. But then he said this, if you are connected to me, you don't have to wait to be connected to heaven. You can be connected to God right now. He would say in verses 10 and 11, I am in the father and the father is in me And he says in verse 12, I am going to the Father. And he says in verse 20, I am in the Father, you are are in me, and I am in you. So the disciples are like, wait wait, wait a minute, what do you mean you're leaving us? What does that mean for us? And Jesus says, I'm leaving you, but I'm only leaving you to go prepare a place for you, and we can still be together because I'm going to be with the Father and you're going to be with me, which means you can be connected to God through me. And he says in verse 28, I'm, gonna wait, I'm going away, but I'm, but I'm going to come back to you. So nine times Jesus has said, here's what I am doing. The tenth one of those I am statements is, is John 15:1. I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. Understand what Jesus is saying in the course of the conversation. Jesus is teaching his followers how to connect to God by connecting to Him until He comes back, so His followers can to be together for eternity. That's what John 15:1 means in the context of the conversation. Jesus is like, "I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to serve you by dying. And for that to happen, one of you is going to betray me. But all of us will end up separated. But the purpose of our separation is so that you can be to God, and if you, so that you can be with God. And if you are connected to Me, you can be connected to God. So I'm going away, but I'm going to come back and get you." But between now and then, you can still be connected to God if you are connected to me. A question, a question and then a confession. Question, do you really want to be connected to Jesus every day of your life for all of eternity? Because I don't know that that's what everyone views heaven as. Being with Jesus every day for eternity. See, in American Christianity, too often we think of heaven the gift of heaven more is a place, and what that place is like, than a person, and what that person offers us. So let me give you a confession. I rarely listen um, to music. Um, the radio in my car doesn't work half the time, so that kind of like, takes that away, and I just, if I'm listening to something, it's usually a podcast or a sermon, so I'm, like, I'm, I rarely listen to music, but if I do listen to music... Um, it's on my treadmill, or it's on a road trip, usually in Danielle's car. If you ever see me on a treadmill, just confession, because we're friends, um, I am listening to old 80s and 90s rock. Um, like, not Christian rock, like rock. Like, I'm not listening to Amazing Grace, I'm listening to Axl Rose. Like, if I'm on the treadmill, <laughs> i got to get back to when I was 15, 16 years old and figure out what motivates me to keep sweating. so, like, I'm listening to stuff that probably a lot of us listen to, in the 80s and 90s Um, if I'm ever on a road trip I'm listening to country music because that is what's most often on in Danielle's car and a country music song caught my attention a few months ago because um, it referenced heaven and it referenced a guy whose friend became a Christian at a service maybe the way some of our friends become Christians at service it's it's an artist by the name of Hardy I don't know who that is I just hope he's one of the Hardy boys because I read all those books when I was a kid and that kind of gives Me a picture in my mind that he was a little investigative type guy. He's probably not like that, but it, it works for me. And he's got a song about a friend who literally he said is like his friend, like he accepted Christ or, like during a service, heads bowed, eyes closed. They're singing, Just as I Am. I prayed a prayer, he raised his hand, he actually like came to the altar. Like it was like this incredible church service, and then the guy died. He's his funeral, so he's. He's singing about what heaven might be like. And I may mess up the words because I'm not a country music buff. But um, he says, I hope you hit those gold streets on two wheels. Um, I hope your mansion in the sky has a 10-acre field with some mud and some hubcaps you can lock in, make some thunder, make them wonder how you got in. And then he says this, hide your beer and your clear from the man upstairs. For those of you not raised in the holler like me, clear... (laughs) Is homemade moonshine that guys that look like Jay Armstrong make in their backyard in the hills of <laughs> southern Ohio? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah? yeah, I know a guy like that. Don't ever drink his stuff, it will burn your throat. Um, hide your beer, hide your clear from the man who says, Crank it loud, hold it down till I get there. When I do, I hope you've got some new stories to tell. Until then, give heaven. Some and he says H E double hockey sticks. Not only do we not sing that word in church, we don't even spell it, so we use letters H and E, but then we use two symbols, hockey sticks, that look <laughs> like letters to, to say give heaven some blank. Like, I think a lot of Americans think about heaven that way. Uh, my place, my people, doing what I want to do. Just like cooler stuff. Golden roads and like no one dies and like nobody's sick and there's no tears, like. They, they think heaven is all about the place rather than a person named Jesus that they're going to get to be with. But scripture says heaven, like the gift of heaven is not what it looks like or how long you live. The gift of heaven is that Jesus is there. And what Jesus told his disciples is if you want to live forever in eternity with me, you don't have to wait till after you die. I'm connected to God, and you can be connected to me. That's the purpose of January at Journey. Jesus is connected to God. You can be connected to him. In your bulletins, you've got this little graphic that our team put together that just says thrive. Uh, On one side of it is the 2022 evaluation I gave you every Sunday in December to just look at how your walk with God went last year. We ask you to identify your daily time with God, your spiritual community, your prayer fasting, your serving others, your generosity, and to rank yourself with with some goals to do better in 2023. Why is that? Let me give you what I call the thrive cycle of life. Here's what we're going to learn this month, that if Jesus is beating through our heart, very specifically through five arteries, that scripture is going to tell us that the the life blood of Jesus flows through in us. Here's what you're going to see. If Jesus is beating through your heart in how you serve others, in your daily time with God, in your prayer and fasting, in in your spiritual community, in your generosity, if Jesus is beating through your heart through those arteries, it's going to change how you experience life. You will experience life through a thriving relationship with Jesus. But I need you to see that those arrows go both ways. Because in spiritual warfare, the arteries of your life spiritually that Satan wants to harden are the exact same arteries. And if Jesus does not flow through to your life experiences, what happens is your life experiences flow through to your heart. And what's going to happen is Satan's going to make sure that the artery of serving others hardens, that the artery of daily time with God hardens, that the artery of prayer and fasting hardens, that the artery of spiritual community hardens, that the artery of generosity is going to harden. Like, these are the areas Satan's going to make sure you don't have time in your life for. Because here's what he knows. Either Jesus is going to impact how you experience life, watch this, or your life experiences are going to impact the way you think and feel about Jesus. Which was it for you in 2022? Did a thriving, strong heartbeat with Jesus with clear arteries, no matter what happened? For some of you, it was a difficult year. Did it drive how you experience life? And even though life was difficult, you're able to thrive with Jesus? Or did so many life experiences work their way into the primary arteries of Christianity that the life you experience really impacts your relationship with Jesus? The goal of this series this month is to live 2023 in an intentional way saying, I'm going to make sure I clear these arteries because no matter what is coming around the corner at life in 2023, I want to thrive in the midst of it. This is the goal. Today, we're going to start with daily time with God, and we're just going to work our way around this wheel the rest of this month at Journey. Let's read the first five verses of John 15 again through this lens. Daily time with God. I am the true vine. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We're going to learn three things today about spending time with God. Number one, we're going to learn that daily time with God is created, not found in your schedule. Daily time with God has to be created. It will not be found in your schedule. So Pastor Christian Grassi gave an incredible message last week from the book of Ephesians on living intentionally and make sure you're not just drifting or coasting through life. Um, he, He gave us in the second point of that message basically an average of how people spend their life and all the hours, days, weeks, months, and years you spend doing specific things, here's what you need to know. Your life is already full before you add any Jesus stuff to it. If you're thinking, well, you know what? On days when there's not much going on, I'm gonna walk with Jesus. You are not going to have very many days you walk with Jesus. Daily time with God has to be created, not found. Look at verses one and two. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off... Every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. Here's what you need to understand about what the Bible teaches about following Jesus, very specifically salvation and discipleship. Salvation is replacement, not addition in our life. Salvation is not adding Jesus to our life and our agenda so that he can help us do things our way. Salvation is abandoning our life, abandoning our agenda, abandoning our way of life to do things Jesus' way of life. You were not born with a heart that has one unattached ventricle that Jesus can come connect to, but everything else in your life stays the same. We are not even given that offer in scripture to add Jesus to our life. Galatians 2.20, one of the first books the Apostle Paul wrote to teach theology to the new Christian movement that was uh, taking the Roman Empire by storm. He said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, so I'm not dead, I still have a body, but I consider myself dead. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Paul said for you to become a Christian, you have to stop living for yourself. You have to start living for Jesus. Salvation is not adding Jesus to your life so that he can help you do what you want to do. Salvation is replacing you and yourself on the throne of your heart with Jesus and himself on the throne of your heart. That's salvation. You create room for it. It just doesn't fit into what you've got going on. Discipleship is the exact same way. It's replacement, not addition. I think where where churches fail and they make it hard to follow Jesus is they give you a list of 10 or 11 things that you have to start doing without telling you you have to stop doing anything. Discipleship is not a list of things you add to your life. Discipleship is a replacement of Who you used to be and what you used to do and how you used to live with who you are, who God has called you to be, how he now wants you to live. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 verses 34 and 35 called the crowds and his disciples to himself. And he said, if anyone would want to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life is going to lose it, but whoever loses their life for the sake of me and for the gospel is going to find it. Like if you want to be a disciple, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to walk with Jesus, you're going to have to stop doing life the way you used to. And you're going to have to do it a whole new way because you cannot do both at the exact same time. So salvation is replacement, not addition. Discipleship is replacement, not addition, which means this. In 2023, daily time with Jesus is going to be daily time not doing something that you probably did in 2022. If you wait to find time in your week, in your schedule, in your heart, in your relationships... You probably aren't going to do any time with Jesus. But if you choose to spend daily time with God, it's probably going to come in the gaps that you've created by not doing something else. Bruce Wilkinson, who writes powerful little books that can be read in an afternoon. The Prayer of Jabez is one of them. has written a book called Secrets of Divine on John chapter 15. In it, he talks about things in our life that need to be pruned and things in our life that need to be cut out. I'm going to give you this list so that you might be able to think about how you could create some space in your life for daily time with Jesus in 2023. I'm going to throw them on the screen, then I'm just going to give you my experiences in them. He says, immature commitments, lesser priorities, and meaningless preoccupations can be cut back or cut out so that you can make time to be with Jesus every day. What's that list again? Immature commitments, lesser priorities, meaningless preoccupations. It would take me conversations with you to learn what yours are, so I'll tell you mine. Some of yours might be similar, some of them may be brand new, but it'll kind of show you how Wilkinson would walk you through these blocks of time in your day. So immature commitments might look like this. How many of you are old enough to remember the point 15, 18 years ago where you could begin binge watching a show? Like that didn't used to be a thing. And then they came out with, like, all the seasons of your favorite show at once, and you could just pop in, like, the DVDs one at a time. The first show that I ever binge watch was 24 with Jack Bauer, saving the world every hour of every day. (laughs) And I remember our kids were young, putting our kids to bed, Danielle and I at, like, 10 o'clock. We'd be like, we're just going to watch one, Um, and then we're going to go to bed. And, like, that one would end, and the clock would be like, pinching, pinching, and it'd be like... Okay, so we got to watch one more, because Jack and the whole world might explode. And then at like 4 a.m., we'd look at each other and think, should we go to bed for two hours or just like, just go till the sun comes up, because like Jack might die. We're not going to sleep anyway. So like 24, and then lost, um, which was a total waste of my life. (laughs) If you've not watched it all the way till the end were the first two shows that we binge watch. To me, I would, I would call that an immature commitment. If you have a commitment to weekly television viewing or binge watching or Netflix that you like cannot miss a week. Listen, if you have an hour every week to spend with The Bachelor, <laughs> but not 15 minutes to spend with Jesus, Who is technically also a bachelor? (laughs) Technically, I mean, right? Technically, technically, he also was a bachelor. One gives you a rose. One gives you eternal life. Like, like you have, you have an immature commitment if you are committed to something that adds no spiritual life. I'm not saying watching TV is bad, but like. If you never have time for Jesus, this might be an area where he could fit in. Lesser priorities for me, like important priorities. I decided 15 years ago or so that I was going to run a marathon. And for three years, I trained for the Chicago Marathon, ran two, and then a month before the third one got hurt. Um, Working out is great. Um, Being in shape is great. Being outside and running is great. Probably my walk with Jesus, my Bible reading, and my marriage suffered during that season because it just took too much time. And I didn't have enough time to, to have that be a priority and to have important things be a priority, too. In my time with Jesus suffered. Um, I'll never forget being on a slow-pitch softball team. And those late-night double-headers at the park that lasted way too long and way too late. My, my Bible reading, my time with Jesus suffered on those. I'm not saying those are bad things, but I'm saying... If you don't have time for Jesus on those days, that might be a lesser priority. I was on the worst flag football team in the history of flag football teams. We got drunk. We we got we didn't get drunk. We got beat. <laughs> Maybe we should have been drunk. Because we got beat by fat drunk guys every night at Blue Springs. Um, we were like 0 and 10, and I thought, like, I will never, as a, as a former competitor, I will never do this again. It was absolutely miserable. But those games which would last, like, late into the night over at that complex off of Adams Dairy Parkway, like, those were times where I didn't really walk real closely with Jesus. So, like, those may have been some lesser priorities. How about some meaningless preoccupations? I'm not saying this is sinful. I'm just saying, for me, it preoccupied my time. Um, I played two seasons of fantasy football. Before I was like, that's it. Because you have to watch every game, every night, follow every stat line. And I would find myself knowing things about wide receivers on teams that I had never even watched a game of. And I spent more time studying him than I did the life of Jesus. To figure out whether I should trade or release somebody. For me, it became a distraction. I'm not saying any of these things are bad. But I'm saying if you don't spend time with Jesus, these might be places where you could start to cut back a little bit. Let me also say this. This list on the screen, um, this is a great list for creating a stronger marriage in 2023. I'm a terrible marriage counselor uh, because I only asked, I got two questions and one suggestion. If you ever end up meeting with me for marriage counseling, we'll just skip it because I'll give it to you right now. I have two questions and one suggestion. Anytime I sit down with a couple who's, who's struggling First question, when's the last time you had a date? Do you guys have a regular date night? Second question, when's the last time you've been on a trip away without any family or friends at all, what Danielle and I call our yearly honeymoon? Only two questions I ask. Usually in a struggling marriage, people do not have a date night. They cannot remember the last time they've been out of town on a trip by themselves. So I begin to talk to them about these things. Immature commitments, lesser priorities, meaningless preoccupations. One of the last couples I I did marriage counseling with that was really, really struggling, Um, the mom was a cheerleader coach for her third grade daughter, and it consumed their life. And the husband played in like a a rec soccer league with some of his old college buddies like three or four nights a week. And after they talked to me about not having a date, not having a trip, I looked at him and I said, okay, so this is going to be our first and last session because I can't help you, can't help you. He said, why not? And I said, because you're both in love with things, but it's not each other. You're in love with being a mother to your daughter and her little cheerleading thing. And you're in love with still acting like you're in college and being with your buddies. And until you love each other more than that, I can't help you because I am not going to love your wife more than you love your wife. And I'm not going to love your husband more than you love your husband. This is just like relationship 101. And Jesus is supposed to be somebody we're supposed to have a relationship with. He's not the guy who signs our hell insurance or or who gives us the down payment for a house in heaven one day. He's a person who wants to have a relationship with us. And when we see Jesus say, I want to spend time with you before you get to heaven, he's saying, you'll have to learn how to cut some things out and cut some things back to make that happen. But if you're willing to do that, you can really thrive spiritually. What else are we going to learn? Number two, we're going to learn that daily time with God is both an action we take and a reaction. To the action that God has already taken. So God always goes first because he's God and it's who he is and it's his nature and it's what he does. Daily time with God is both an action we take and a reaction to the action that God took. Look at the first part of verse 4 and the first part of verse 5 and listen to what Jesus says. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. So like I need you to underline the second part of that. I am remaining in you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Verse 5 he then says this. I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me, and in the Greek it would remain; it would read this way, and I remain in you. So salvation is not a partnership of roles, but it is a partnership in relationship. And Jesus is basically saying this, um, listen, um, God wants to marry you, not date you. So he's moving in, he's going to move in. Here's God's part of the bargain. His spirit, he's going to send his spirit to live right inside of your soul. That's God's part of the relationship. God's going to come live in you. Your part of the relationship is you are going to live in Jesus. It's a partnership we're going to have. The word remain is the Greek word minnow. It literally means to make your home inside of or to live inside of. So Jesus said God is going to come minnow. He's going to come live inside you, to come live inside your soul, and what he's asking of you is that you live inside Jesus. You're like, how do I do that? Like, if he's in heaven and I'm here, how do, how do I live in Jesus if I can't see him, if I don't know him? Look at verse 3. Jesus says to his disciples, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Here's what you need to know. To remain in relationship with Jesus is to continually live within his gospel And to live within his word. It's that song we sing, living hope. To live in relationship with Jesus means I process everything through the filter of who Jesus is. And the way I'm able to process everything through the filter of who Jesus is and how Jesus is doing things in my life is to remain in his word. 2 Peter 1.3 says it this way. His divine power, so the supernatural stuff of God, has given you and I everything we need for a godly life. God has given us all the tools to live, to remain in Jesus. You say, how? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God's like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to come live inside you and I'm going to give you everything you need to live inside Jesus. Like, how are we going to do that? I'm going to teach you who he is and I'm going to teach you all about his life and his ministry. Jesus would tell us that he would do this through his Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus is praying for everyone who would ever become a Christian through the message of the disciples. And he prays these words, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. The word sanctify literally could mean this, to change their home. Sanctify them. I want you to set them apart. I want you to pull them out of living in the world. And I want you to place them in living with Jesus. Sanctify them pull them out of the world, place them in Jesus. How are you going to do that? Sanctify them by your truth, your word is the truth. So they're going to get to know your word. John would say it very clearly this way in John 1.1. 1, 1, he would say that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in verse 14, he would say the word became flesh. He became a man, and he came and dwelt among us. His name was Jesus. We have beheld the glory of the one and only Son of God, full of grace, And full of truth. So 2 Peter says God has given you everything you need to walk with Jesus. And Jesus would say what God has given you to not live in the world and instead remain in him is he's given you himself and he's given you his word. It's why our church is reading the Bible through together in 2023. Hundreds and hundreds of you on the Bible app, in the UVersion Bible app, listening to the Bible Recap Podcast. By the way, my favorite line of the Bible Recap Podcast with Terry Tara Lee Cobble this week was yesterday's when she said the word deserve is the most disgusting and entitled word in the spiritual English language. I thought, ooh, that is harsh, but that is good. The word deserve is the most disgusting and entitled word in the spiritual English English vocabulary. So I'm enjoying reading the Bible through with you. For those of you who tried your best this week, just keep on trucking, man. One day at a time, be in the Word of God on the reading plan that we've given you. But spending time with Jesus is more than just reading your Bible. Let, let me tell you how this came to me and how I want you to approach your time in God's Word, not as time in a book, but as time with a person. So I was putting this message in this series together in the fall of last year, October and November. And I was very particularly putting this message together last week of October, first week of November, when I was in Guatemala with one of our medical mission teams in, one, in the two villages, Lasidras and Pina Blanca, that we, um, that we sponsor there. And as I was walking from the church that we've built in Lasidras to the school that we've helped build in Lasidras so that we could go do some kids' discipleship from the medical clinic to the kids' discipleship area, I was rolling around in my head this message and this chart. Because I knew that I was going to talk to you the first Sunday I preached in January about daily time with God. And at at the time, it was daily Bible reading. That's what I called it, daily Bible reading. And I was thinking through the lens of, is it possible to do discipleship without reading your Bible daily? And this thought hit me being in the villages of Guatemala that week. Nearly 90% of the adults in the village of Lesidras are illiterate. And I thought, if I am saying... You cannot be a disciple without reading your Bible. No one in this village could be a disciple. So it can't be that. Like, we got to make sure that we don't put American discipleship on biblical discipleship because if it's not true of the whole world, it's not true at all. And almost 50% of the world is illiterate when you really get outside kind of the major cities of the world. And I thought, okay, I, I know to walk with God, you have to know the word of God, but how do you do that if you can't read? Read. So I began to talk to some of the leaders who worked in Guatemala full-time, and I said, how do people learn to walk with God? How do they learn the Bible if they can't read? And Claudia, who was one of the people who brings our teams together and helps us serve over there, they've sponsored World Help, nearly 100 villages in the mountains of Guatemala. She said, oh, the churches that are, like, really on fire, churches that have really touched a village, she said, they have church every night. I said, what? That would be awful. Thank God I'm an American pastor. I was like, oh, they have church every night? I said, Yes. Scratch that off, like off the, <laughs> don't throw that one on YouTube. But yes, they have church every night. I said, how do they do that? She said, one, you got to remember, like, they don't have after school sports, they don't have high school, they, like, they don't have the internet, they don't have television, they don't have clubs. Like, they go work in the fields and then they come home. A lot of them don't have electricity hardly, so like, when it's dark, they just go to bed And she said, the pastors of the village who really want their people to know who Jesus is, they hold nightly Bible studies because they're the only ones who can read and write the Bible. And the people come in droves to just learn who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And I thought, that's it. It's not reading your Bible. It's reading your Bible for the purpose of seeing who Jesus is and what Jesus did. It's daily time With Jesus, not just daily time, reading a few pages in your book. That trip is the trip I came home from, and I changed this arrow from daily Bible reading to daily time with God. Because I said daily Bible reading is not a reality for everyone in the world, but daily time with God can be. Now, you and I can have our daily time with God by reading our Bible. Because for some reason, God chose to have us be born in this country at this time. You realize if you were born... In the exact same place that you were born, but you were born 600 years ago, you probably would have been illiterate. You wouldn't have been able to read God's word. As a matter of fact, that many years ago, there wasn't even a, I don't think an English copy of God's word yet because the Bible was still kind of held captive by what was at that time a pre-Reformation corrupt Catholic church. But God had you born when you were born, where you were born, and he has taught you to read and write, which I think means God wants you to dig into his word. Because Luke 12, 48 says, to whom much is given, much is required. Luke twelve forty eight says, to those who have been committed much, lots are going to be asked of them. And for some reason, you live in a country and in a generation where you can read and write. And for some reason, God has put the story of Jesus and his ministry down in print. I believe we should read and write it. Not to read the Bible, but to spend time with Jesus. To him who much is given, much is required. For those of you who are pretty new and haven't heard the backstory of our church, the reason our church is called Journey Church International instead of Journey Church, the international came later, is because as God was moving on my heart to really begin a church, I felt like God said, The American church has more influence and affluence than any church in the world. And if you do not use your church to help the nations who have nothing, then I'm not going to help your church. So we added the I to say, To whom much is given, much is required. We've had a lot given to us. God, we understand your requirement to use our influence and our affluence to help the nations. And how about God choosing a trip that we've helped build churches and schools to reveal to me how to disciple people? Don't just read your Bible. Spend time with God daily. It's a powerful picture if you think about it. What else do we learn? Number three. We'll close with this one. You're not going to experience true spiritual life in all of life until you learn to spend time with God daily. Like you're not going to truly experience the life you would like to have and hope to have until you learn to spend time with God daily. Look at verses 4 and 5. This time, instead of focusing on the word remain, we're going to focus on the word fruit. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit. Circle that word by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit, there it is again, unless you remain in me. I am divine. you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. There it is again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say fruit. My favorite fruit is oranges. Um, tell somebody next to you your favorite fruit. Some of you clearly like a lot of types of fruit because it shouldn't take that long to tell the people beside you your favorite type of fruit. But that's okay. Um, you can like lots of fruits if you want. Here's what you need to know. That little exercise has absolutely nothing to do spiritually with anything that I'm teaching today. <laughs> but I want you to be thinking about fruit because one of the clearest Christian metaphors and New Testament metaphors for seeing and experiencing the life of Jesus is fruit. As a matter of fact, the greatest promises of spiritual health, personal Spiritual health in the Bible are referred to as fruit. You say, I want to be healthy spiritually. I want to be healthy emotionally. The Bible would say you'd have good fruit. Galatians 5, and 23 says the fruit of the Spirit. So God says, I'm going to send my Spirit to live in you. I want you to live in Jesus. Here's what that will look like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then Paul would tell the church in Galatians this, against these nine things, no one would even dare make a law, because everyone wants everyone to be this way. Let's look at this list for a minute. Go to the fruit if you would, guys. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Question, if your boss had all nine of those, would you enjoy your job more? If your spouse had all nine of those, would you enjoy your marriage more? Don't look at them. One lady just looked at her husband like, hmm. It's like, we got a marriage conference coming up in February. We can help you with that. Um, If your teenage kids had this, would your family have more peace? Teenagers sitting in this section. If your mom and dad's all had these. Don't shake your head too quick, Michaela. Your mom and dad are in there. Um, <laughs> be a different place, right? Athletes, if you're coaches, coaches if you're athletes, those of you who manage people, if your teams were like this. See, here's the reality. Every one of us wants everyone we deal with in life to look like that. And Jesus... Through scripture says, if you remain in me, my spirit will remain in you. This is what that looks like. Most of us would say something like this I would like everyone in my life to look like that. I don't have time this week to spend time with Jesus so I can look like that. It's not fair. It's not fair to desire it, demand it of everyone in your life, and to know where to access it, but to do nothing about it. Say, Well, I'm busy play less fantasy football. I'm busy. Stop binge watching shows. I'm busy. Spend one hour less at the gym. It's just my life. Just some of the conversations I've had with God. See, scripture says personal health can be defined as fruit, but it doesn't stop there. Fruit's a big deal in the New Testament. Scripture says action in our inner spiritual life that shows people that Jesus is really our king, that's called fruit as well. Like things in your life that showed people you used to live for you, but now you live for Jesus, that, that's called fruit. Those actions are called fruit. John the Baptist told people, keep fruits that, that keep with repentance. Have fruits in keeping with repentance, which means this. Have actions in your life that show people you have stopped living for yourself and you started living for Jesus. Some of you say, I made a decision, like I made a spiritual decision. I raised my hand. I prayed a prayer. I, you know, I came down front. I did all that, Um, but there's a lot of people in my life who still don't know that Jesus is my king. Most people still think, I live for myself. You're just not spending enough time with Jesus. That's That's all that it is. Because when you really spend daily time with Jesus through his word, all of a sudden you produce fruit in keeping with repentance. People see that Jesus is really your king. But that's not all the fruit the Bible talks about. Scripture says that our good works are fruit. In Titus 3.14, let our people learn to maintain good works among those meeting urgent needs so that they won't be unfruitful. Paul tells Titus, meeting needs, that's fruit. Good works, that's fruit. Those are the things that show you have spent some time with Jesus. So, Journey, our goal for you in 2023, in our year of what we call come and follow, we want you to come and follow Jesus well, is that you experience spiritual growth, spiritual care, spiritual development. All of that begins, according to John 15, 1, with connecting to Jesus so you can be connected with the God of the universe. What has God said to you about your connection or disconnection? What do you need to do to lean in a little bit? In just a minute, we're going to close with communion. Our ushers will come, and they'll serve communion. Normally, we do that the first Sunday of the month, but we knew January 1. We had lots of people traveling, so we decided to do it instead today. I told you we'd start in the upper room. We're going to end in the upper room. We'll ask you some questions that challenge your own personal faith life. But as a church this year, we've said we want to, we want to challenge people on Sunday, but then we want to follow up quick. So one of the things we're offering that we've changed about our church is our growth track ministry. We have created a new growth track step called step five that we will only offer four times this year. The four four months this year that have five Sundays, on the fifth Sunday, we have a new step that's just called follow Jesus. This one hour kind of discipleship class is designed to teach you how to walk with Jesus daily and how to disciple someone else so they can walk with Jesus daily. So not just how to walk with Jesus, but how to walk with Jesus and how to teach someone else how to walk with Jesus. We'll be offering this probably only room for about 350 people on January 29th, first fifth Sunday month of the year. If you'd like to be in that, we'd love for you to come. If you've never been to a step of growth track, this would be a good one to start on. If you completed it years ago, this would be a good one to finish with. You can check 1030 in the growth track room. We'll probably only have room for about 80. At or 12.30 in the auditorium. We'll serve lunch after church. We'll have childcare for you and about a one-hour experience. We've got room for several hundred there. My hope is by the end of the year, all of you'd be able to go through that step five process. Why? Because if we remain in Jesus and he remains in us, all of our life is gonna be shaped by that experience and it's the one you wanna have. What has God said to your heart? What do you need to do to take like one step forward in this area. I'm going to pray, and while our ushers distribute communion, there'll be three reflection questions on the screen. I challenge you to answer those, and just kind of let those answers roll around in your head, and then when we come take communion together, at the end of that three minutes, um, we'll ask you to ask Jesus to help you in those areas. So God, we thank you for what we've learned today. We thank you for Jesus. And God, as we get ready to observe the Lord's Supper, we started in John 13 with you saying, I'm serving you ultimately through death because I've been betrayed, but not all of you are going to betray me. And a lot of us are going to be together forever, but in this window, I'm going to help you learn how to connect to me until we're together forever. God, as we reflect on these questions, just open our hearts and minds to what you want us to hear, what you need us to see, what answers you want us to process.